Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. Over the years, Mary had tried to show her, but with having so many children, working in the field, and worrying about food, she just couldn't find the time to learn. Bud? Lenny Gray called out his name. What, Mama? He said with the same tone of annoyance that his father had. Run and get your sister Mary. Tell her we got some letters from Willie that I need her to read. Right now while the show was on? Bud already knew the answer to his question, but held out hope that Lenny Gray would place the necessity of his listening to the show over the need to summon his sister. Hurry on up and do like I told you, Lenny Gray said. Bud slipped down a pair of Willie's worn-out shoes he'd left behind and rushed out of the house. Forty minutes later, he returned with his older sister, Mary. When Mary walked in, she found her parents sitting at the kitchen table, looking at one of the letters as if it was a strange object with hieroglyphics on it. Are those the letters? Mary asked. Uh, yeah, uh, this is them. I can see that he's saying something about you and look like the way Chicago. Curly mentioned, handing one of the letters to her. Lenny Gray scooted closer to Curly and interlaced her fingers with his and waited on edge to hear what Willie had to say. Minnie, Bud, Roosevelt, Martha, Leuna, Christine, and Lenny Gray II joined and listened to Mary read. October 3rd, 1943. Dear Ma and Pa, Please don't throw away the envelope my letter come in. You can use the address on the front to send me mail. You can have Mary write it and mail it for you. I'm sorry that it's taken me so long to write. Working on a farm, I never had much use for writing and reading, but now I see how important it is because everyone around here seems to know how to read and write and they loved getting letters from their folks back home. When I got here, they asked me if I could read. When I told them that I didn't really know how to read so good, they mocked it in my file. It was very hard for me to get on the back of that army truck that came to pick me up over the summer. I wanted to jump off and run, but I didn't know where I would run to. When I arrived at Camp Shelby, there were all types of people coming in by the truck loads from all over the country. Black people, white people, Mexican people, even some American-born Japanese people. All the units are segregated so there won't be no trouble among us. The white soldier got the best of everything, and that's got all the other men pretty mad. 
I know you're wondering how in the world am I writing all of this. Well, I met this real nice smart guy named Donovan from Chicago. He graduated from high school and can read and write like an author. Donovan is a little taller than I am and is 20 years old and has a real pretty girl back at home waiting on him. He showed me a picture of her and she looks like an actress named Lena Horn. One of the other guys showed me a picture of Lena that he keeps in the barracks. I asked Donovan if his girlfriend had a sister and he said yeah but she too young. Anyway, Donovan is kind and said he would write down everything I wanted to say. Donovan said that he wanted to join the army so that he could fight for his country. He said that once we win the war, when we come back home, white folks will treat us like full-class citizens. He said that we just got to prove ourselves is all, just like I heard on the radio. I asked him what it was like living in a big city, and he told me all kinds of wonderful things about Chicago. He says they have plenty of jobs and folks doing real good for themselves. He said there's certain parts of Chicago that belong to white folks and the rest of the cities where all the black folks live. He said as long as you keep to yourself and stay in the colored side of town, you won't have any problems. He said there are plenty of entertainment in Chicago, places where folks can go dancing and stuff like that. I get excited just listening to him talk about it because we ain't got no places like the ones he talks about down in Tallahatchie County. When I first got here, a white lady who was taking down names to me said, You will answer me with a yes sir or no sir. You will not move unless you're told to. Do you understand me, boy? I knew right off that I wasn't going to like her. I wasn't the only one who felt the same way. A lot of the guys said that they didn't want to be here and wondered how their lives had taken a turn for the worst. A lot of the colored guys can't read or write especially the ones that come from the field like me. Most of us only knew that there was a war going on and little else. Donovan, as best as he could, tried to inform us what was going on and why we should want to fight. He talked about some guy named A. Philip Randolph and something called civil rights. Some of the stuff Donovan talks about sound crazy to me. He talked about stuff like ending segregation. I had to ask him what that meant. Once he told me what it was, I realized he was talking about Jim Crow. Daddy, I told him what you said about it. I told him that you said that no one could fight Jim Crow because he wasn't a real person. Donovan said that if we stuck together, we could beat Jim Crow and do a whole lot more. All us country boys just laughed at him and pointed out that we were in the segregated army. Some of the guys said that if he could find Jim Crow and bring him back, we'd all kill him and burn his body. I done seen a few fights break out between black and white soldiers. One fight was really bad. A colored fella from New York was showing some of the guys his white girlfriend. One of the white soldiers found that to be offensive and snatched a photo and ripped it up. That's what started the brawl. It's pretty bad down here trying to get along with the white fellas. These white boys don't want us here and every chance they get they let us know. In spite of how much they hate us, a lot of us, including me, have changed our attitudes since going through training. We want to fight now, mostly because we're so angry about the way we treat it. Most of us figure that if we fight, we'll at least get to prove 
that we ain't as dumb as they think we are. We want to be treated like we're worth something. I was just told that my unit is going to be sent over to France. By the time you get this letter, I'll probably be there. Make sure you write me. Willie. Does it sound like he ain't having too hard of a time getting along, seeing as how ain't nobody bothered him? Bud said, stammering. He'll be all right. All he needs to do is stick to what I done told him about how to deal with white folks. He knows how things are, Curly said from a space of total psychological conformity. I've heard them talking about France on the radio. They fighting real hard over there. Lenny Gray murmured, feeling dread stirring in her heart. Uh, Open up the second letter and read what it says. Curly insisted that Mary continue on. Everyone leaned in and listened closely as Mary read. January 10th, 1944. Dear Ma and Pa, I hope you guys got my letter. I keep checking every day to see if you've written back to me. Please do so soon. I need to hear from you. I need to know that y'all are all alive and doing well. Ma, send cookies if you can. Sometimes the guys get treats from home that taste pretty good. One guy got a box of cookies, but by the time he got it, the cookies were all crumbled. That didn't stop him from eating them, though. I'm not in the best health, but that's because I can't stand the food here. I think of everyone all the time, even though Donovan can't write for me as often as I would like. Sometimes, when it's not so crazy, I sit and try to picture all of us together working in the field and enjoying the quiet at night. Tell Bud that he should be glad that he didn't have to come. The only things over here are death, destruction, and madness. I'm in hell. My unit is a service unit that works on the front line. We in charge of picking up dead bodies, just like John, the one-armed grave digger. Donovan and I have to run out and retrieve wounded soldiers and what's left of their bodies under heavy artillery fire. The gunfire is so loud that my ears ring constantly. When I pick up the bodies, I can hear and feel the bullets zipping past my face. I have had to pick up men who were so badly burned that when I put them on a stretcher, their skin slides off their bones. I've seen guys with eyeballs bulging out and half of their face missing. I've seen men blown completely in half and watched their bodies twitching in the mud. This stuff I see is much worse than the dead body me and Bud saw when we were younger. Whenever there's a lull in the fighting, Some of the guys gather up some wood and start a fire to stay warm. It's very cold over here. At night, I hear men crying uncontrollably. It's hard to listen to, and I try to tune it out as best as I can. 
Sometimes fighting happens at night, and that is the worst because I hear gunfire all around me. When the night fight happens, I spend a lot of time crawling around on my belly, trying not to get hit. I don't know how much more of this I can take, but like you said, Paul, I ain't got much of a choice. Willie. Is that it? Lenny Gray asked. There has to be more. It sounds like they shot him in the middle of him writing it. Lenny Gray felt as if a rope was around her neck choking her. She had a flashback of Tommy and his weak and fragile body. How she wanted to save him but couldn't. Now she felt the same way about Willie. Her baby needed her and she was powerless to be there for him. That's all he wrote, Mama. Mary sniffled. Everyone sat still, as if some unknown force paralyzed them. Finally, Lenny Gray moved and positioned herself on her knees to pray and cry and pray some more. Curly tried to comfort her, but she was inconsolable. Lord, why you make me suffer like this? Lenny Gray asked, continuing to cry and pray as her throat became raw. Her children crumbled to the floor with her and held on to each other, not knowing what else to do. Although Willie had not died, the thought of him being around people who were shooting at him was enough to entertain the thought of death for all of them. He's strong, Lenny. He'll be okay. The boy's going through hell is all. He's going to come through just fine. I, I know he is, Curly said, but then stopped. The word got stuck in his mind again. Hell. He thought about John, the gravedigger, and what he had said. Then Curly felt the strange urge to drink. So he went and got himself some moonshine and got it into his system as quick as he could. How could you say something like that? Lenny Gray asked. Our son is over there getting shot at. I know that, Lenny. My heart is just as heavy as everybody else. But I got something inside of me that's telling me that he's going to be okay. He's going to make it, Curly said. He won't be all right until he's back home where I can keep an eye on him. He's only 18, and he's already seen too much. Lenny Gray drew upon her anger for strength she didn't know existed within her. In the blink of an eye, her emotions had taken her from sobbing in despair to total anger. I gotta make him some cookies and write him a letter. Minnie? Go find me some paper so that Mary can put my words on it. I hope I can find the right things to say that'll comfort his tortured soul, said Lenny Gray. <laughs>